You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Now Khadija at this point, she really was impressed by the Prophet and she was thinking that this person would be a perfect choice for me to be a spouse because the Prophet was not married. How old was the Prophet at this time? He was 25 years old. At this point, he was 25 years old. So this is 15 years before the Ba'tha, before God sent him as an official messenger. Abu Talib, at the same time, he discusses this idea with the Prophet. Abu Talib realized Khadija's impressed and she likes the Holy Prophet so Abu Talib tells her, tells the Prophet, you know, what do you think about this idea? I have a proposal that you should go and propose to Khadija. What do you think about that? Now how old she was, we'll discuss that. We'll discuss it now, that's fine. There are a number of opinions. How old was Khadija at this point? There are several opinions. One says she was 25 years old, just like the Prophet. We actually have some Sunni historians and scholars who tell us about that, that Khadija was 25 years old. So let me give you an example of one historian who indicates that she was 25 years old. Bayhaqi, a Sunni scholar, he says that Khadija was 25 years old. Most historians would say she was 28 years old. Then you also have a number of other views that say she was 30, 35, 40, 42. But upon historical analysis, we find that that's not accurate. When we examine her age when she passed away, we see that it's not possible for her to have been more than 30 years old. So she was either 25 as Bayhiqi says, or maximum 28 years old. So what you commonly hear that Khadija was 40, that's not really true. This was actually forged after Khadija, long after her, by some people who had political reasons. They wanted to show that some other wives of the Prophet, they were so special and so young and six and nine and whatever, right? And Khadija, now she was that old woman. In fact, we have a hadith, an authentic hadith that says once the Prophet was amongst his wives in Medina, he mentioned Khadija or someone mentioned Khadija. One of his wives, you know who, she got upset and she said, this is according to history, right? This is not something we have in our books only. She said, stop it. You mention her every single time. She was an old woman who died. That's it. The hadith says the Prophet, even though he was at the highest peak of morality and attitude, his face became red with anger. And he said, don't you ever mention Khadija negatively. When everyone denied me, she gave me. None of you gave me children, she gave me children. So don't speak like that. I don't want you ever speaking against Khadija. And oftentimes, you know, some of those women 
to hurt the feelings of Fatima to Zahra السلام, because Khadija is her mother, they would say negative things about Khadija. So one of the things they came up with, oh she was 40 when the Prophet married her and when she died she was, I don't know, an old woman, 60, 63, that's not true. She was either 25 or 28. So either at the same age of the Prophet or just three years older than the Prophet. Yes. Was she covered or not? In pre-Islamic Arabia, while not all women did cover, but the noble women did cover, yes. A lot of the noble women, the respectful women, they did cover their hair and their body. Sometimes they would also cover their face, but sometimes they would not. Khadija, she was known to be a very beautiful woman. Everyone knew that in Mecca. She was, one of, she was the wealthiest woman and also one of the most beautiful women. So it could be the case that she did not cover her face, but she definitely covered her body. So Khadija, she heard about the Prophet's you know, qualities. Abu Talib had also suggested to the Prophet. So the Prophet also found it you know, difficult to go and propose. So he told Abu Talib, let's wait, she's gonna send someone. Subhanallah, he was inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He told him she will send someone and that person, Nafisa, the daughter of Alia. Nafisa was a relative of Khadija. Nafisa will come and on Khadija's behalf she will make that offer. So she comes to the Prophet, Alia. One of the, she's one of the relatives of Khadija. So Nafisa was a lady. Nafisa comes to the Prophet. She meets the Prophet and she tells him, Oh Muhammad, don't you want to get married? So he said, to who? She told him, well, to Khadija. He says, Khadija is interested in marriage? You know, there's a, a world of difference between us. I come from very humble origins and she's the wealthiest woman in Mecca, just her lifestyle, her house, right? Everything is so different. Is she okay with that? She's like, yes, she's okay with that. She sent me and if you agree, right now we'll make this a done deal. I'll go and let her know and you could officially propose. He's like, let me consult my uncle Abu Talib. He consults his uncle Abu Talib. Abu Talib says, oh Muhammad, go for it. This is a very good opportunity because she's a very good woman. We know that she's a very honest, trustworthy, good woman, so you should go for it. So the Prophet accepted. They sent news to her uncle, who was pretty much not her guardian, but like the you know big member of the family. Abu Talib went and he sought his permission. He gave the permission. She also gave him the permission. And they had the ceremony in order to do the marriage contract. So imagine this beautiful ceremony in Mecca, all the Bani Hashim, people were ecstatic. You know, this trustworthy Muhammad is now getting married. So Abu Talib, he delivers a speech. He praises Muhammad. He says Muhammad is unlike any other man. He's very, very special. And today we're doing the marriage ceremony to Khadija, the daughter of Khuwaylid. Now her father was not present because he had been killed in a battle before that. In one of the Fujjar battles, Khuwaylid, her father had been killed. So her uncle, he was you know, acting like her fatherly figure. Her father was not present. He did not make it to that day. He was killed before in one of the battles. 
So we see it was a very jubilant, amazing ceremony. The Prophet was happy, Abu Talib was ecstatic. Now came the time to announce the dowry. So what was the dowry? Some historical accounts say it was 400 or 500 dinars. Some say 500 dirhams. One account says 20 camels. Now who gave that dowry? There are also some accounts over here as to who gave the dowry. One hadith says Abu Talib, his uncle said, I will take care of the dowry, I'll pay it. When he said that, Khadija said, no, I'll pay the dowry. She's supposed to get the dowry, but look at her generosity. See how much she loved the Prophet. She says, no, whatever the dowry, the cost of it, I'll take care of it. Some people present there said, this is shocking. We've never heard a woman giving her own dowry, right? The man usually gives the dowry. How, why is she giving the dowry? Abu Talib got upset and he said, look, this man's different. Don't compare this man to your men. Your men, they have to give the dowry. But my nephew Muhammad, he's so special, the woman come chasing after him. <laughs> now he didn't say this exact wording, but he said, the woman wants him. The woman come after him. That's how special he is. So Abu, Abu Talib really just loved the Prophet and he took every opportunity to show the status of the Prophet. So they agreed. Now one hadith says, the Prophet says, I'll take care of the dowry, it's 20 camels. However, through his uncle, just to respect the formalities and the protocol, through his uncle they gave the dowry. So it's possible that the Prophet, he gave the dowry through his uncle, but then Khadija out of her own generosity, she says no. You know, I don't, uh, it's not that I, I don't accept the dowry, I accept the dowry, but I would like to fund it and pay for it. And that wonderful marriage, uh, you know, took place. And we have a lot of interesting stories, you know, surrounding this marriage. Khadija was very, you know, anxious. Remember, this is a very important uh, step in her life. Many men, many men had asked her hand before that. Abu Sufyan, Abu Jahl, I don't know who, many of those prominent Meccan men, they had come to her, she had refused. So this man was special. Now she saw a lot of indications that this prophet, this man was going to be a very important individual. For example, one hadith says once before this incident, before the wedding, uh, she saw it in a dream that the sun was circling Mecca and it fell in her house. So she went to Waraka ibn Nawfal. Waraka ibn Nawfal was either her, her cousin or her uncle. Some say he was, he was her uncle, some say he was her cousin. Waraka ibn Nawfal was a sage, he was a wise man. So she went to him and she told him, explain to me, what does this dream mean? He said, this dream means that you'll marry someone very special who will be revered by the world, a prophet or a king. So this was an indication that this wedding was going to be special. Once also the prophet passed by the house of Khadija, there was a Jewish scholar who was sitting, you know, in that gathering that Khadija was present at and the Jewish scholar, when he saw the Prophet and the descriptions of the Prophet, the physical features, he said to Khadija, this man is special, this man is different. In our books, I've read that the final man, who will be the greatest messenger of God, who will unite all these tribes, fits this description. 
So Khadija had all sorts of indications, especially Maysara, what he told her about that monk. She knew that this man was going to be special. So she really adored the Prophet, she loved the Prophet. And you know, she was actually the one who proposed. Yes, Abu Talib did suggest that to the Prophet, but she was the one who proposed. And this tells you that in the religion of God, it doesn't have to be the man who always proposes, right? Khadija sets a beautiful example in which if a Muslim lady, a Muslim respected sister, knows of a good brother who has the proper akhlaq and qualities, she can propose. I know in our societies it's aib, right? It's, it's, it's not appropriate, but if we want to follow the footsteps of the Prophet and his wife Khadija, there's no aib in it. But what's that brother? Yes, that's a good one. Not only does she propose, but she'll take care of the dowry as well. Excellent. So this marriage takes place. Yes. First of all, she was uh, quite smart and intelligent. So, yes, she did in receive inheritance, definitely. Um, but... Not everybody who receives inheritance, you know, is able to develop that wealth. And remember, in pre-Islamic Arabia, um, a woman would not inherit from her father. So really it was based on her own efforts and intelligence that she gained all that wealth. Uh, she lived on her own, yes. She had an uncle who was there for her, but she lived on her own. She had actually a very fancy house. Some hadiths describe, you know, the contents of her house. You know, the fine, I don't know, Persian uh, artifacts. She, she, the hadith describes it, you know, the, a lot of the very expensive items that she had in that house. And it's very interesting that a woman like that, you know, would uh, just fall in love with a man who was so, so humble. And Abu Talib in the speech that he gave, at the wedding, he actually does refer to that. He says, people, don't look at Muhammad from the outside and say, oh, he's poor, he's humble, he doesn't have much money. He's got something that even the richest of the people don't have. He's got something special. So Abu Talib, you know, would make sure that he would emphasize this point. And this is actually what Khadija found interesting in the Prophet. She was not interested in any materialistic aspect. She had all those. She had what any woman would want. She had the status, the wealth, she had servants. You know, that, you know, some hadiths say how many servants she had, how many slaves she owned. So she was a very wealthy, one, uh, wealthy woman. She had all, anything that a woman would want, but there was something missing in her life. And that was the spirituality that the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa would give her later in our next course we'll examine you know whether she was married or not whether she had children or not and we'll see how her life changed after this marriage in two ways spiritually it skyrocketed but financially especially after the religion of Islam she really was one of the most Amazing people who sacrificed in the history of humankind for the religion of Islam. She lost all of that physical status, her reputation, all the money, everything that she had, she lost it for the sake of Allah. She didn't lose it. She gained it 
But if you look at it from a materialistic standpoint, she did lose all of that. So this was a very, very big sacrifice for her.